Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, the Longhorn Republic. We'd love to have you as part of our community there as well. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who would take his impermissible recruiting benefits in a Whataburger bag. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Like a good Texan. Uh, you know, I, it, Gerald knows this about me. Obviously, uh, we, we, we're referencing the, the, the bag men of the Southeastern Conference using McDonald's uh, bags. And I say this as a, as a former employee of the Golden Arches Corporation, my first job ever when I was 15 before they would you know hire anywhere, 16-year-olds. I saved up money to buy my first car. I went to work flipping burgers. At McDonald's. It taught me a lot of life lessons, honestly. Uh, it's tough. It's not an easy job. I respect our McDonald's employees. What I don't respect are these SEC coaches who bend the rules. Now, a place like Texas would never do anything like that. If we were, though, you're darn right that we would use something classy like a, a yellow and white beautifully striped Whataburger bag? I mean, come on, you could you could skim 10 k right off the top just for the beautiful delivery mechanism, Gerald. I think you're, you're spot on. Here's the one, the missing one for if you're really going to go in a fast food bag at Tech. You go Taco Cabana because you can wrap up a wad of cash like a soft taco. <laughs> I'm just saying. it's This is free game for, for all of the bag men out there. If you're going to go fast food in the University of Texas... Go Taco Cabana, wrap up that cash like a soft taco. You're good to go. Even maybe throw in some chips and queso. I was going to say. Nobody's going to be mad about about a, about a roll of tortillas and a roll of 20s. It's a great way. I was going to say, people will be mad when they open the bag and only find cash, though, without the delicious, delicious tortillas of Taco Cabana. Again, Gerald and I are both from San Antonio. We represent what we know in Taco Cabana. For all of you listeners across the country and the rest of the state, is by far the best fast food Mexican uh, chain in, in the country, certainly, but at least in, in the great state of Texas. So, uh, yeah, you're making me salivate just thinking about it. I may have to get some of those tortillas and dip it in said queso. But, Daryl, we're not here to talk about bag men deliveries for this entire podcast, are we? No, we're not. We are here to talk about a new coaching mm. staff. Texas introduced officially its new coaching staff minus one and then we had a weird scare overnight on a coach and then we got a real coach so we're going to talk about the coaching staff and then double dipping because that's what we do mike roach is going to be on here for our second segment to talk the the instant impact really that this recruiting uh this coaching staff has had and kind of what we should expect moving forward we'll close the show out obviously with some down the 40 to, to give you all of the other things that you you want to know about from the 40 acres and we'll close the show out with some bang of the drum so there had been rumors there had been wars and rumors of wars we finally got a confirmation from the university on friday uh the almost entire coaching staff was announced um offensive coordinator kyle flood slash offensive line coach um jeff banks who got 
It took me a while to figure out why Jeff Banks was first on the press release. It's because they went alphabetically. So uh, associate head coach, uh, special teams coordinator, and tight ends coach Jeff Banks, uh, wide receivers coach Andre Coleman, a holdover from the Herman staff. Um, Stan Drayton got a new title, offensive run game coordinator and running backs coach, who's another holdover. Uh, A.J. Milwee is coming in to coach quarterbacks. He is the guy who uh, was kind of Sark's assistant at Alabama, so he comes in to help coach the quarterbacks. Really, Sark will probably coach the quarterbacks, but he's also got some other offensive coordinator or some uh, offensive coordinator and head coaching duties he's going to be responsible for. On the defensive side of the ball, honestly, maybe the biggest coup of the entire coaching staff, um, former Washington uh, defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski, who is going to be coaching the outside linebackers as well as coordinating the defense. Um, we didn't get this announcement on Friday, so we'll come back to it. But defensive line coach Bo Davis, passing game coordinator and secondary coach uh, Terry Joseph, and then safeties coach Blake Gideon rounds out the on-the-field coaching staff. Tory Becton coming in as the director of football performance. So Sark announced that on Friday via press release. And then... Late night, we got some rumblings of a name that Texas fans hold in mixed regard <laughs> is being tied to the other coaching position. We still needed an inside linebackers coach. Was it going to be Tosh Lupoi? Uh, was it going to be somebody else? Well, for uh, the scariest 12 hours of Texas Twitter's life, it looked like Mike Stoops might be coming to coach a position he hadn't coached in three decades. That didn't happen, but... In maybe the second biggest coup of this coaching staff, Montana head coach, FCS championship semifinalist, Jeff Choate leaves his head coaching gig in at the FCS level to come be the inside linebackers coach at the University of Texas, which is a pretty big deal. So Texas has a coaching staff, Kyle. As you sit here thinking about the, the last month or so of rumors, like how do you feel? Where are you sitting now? What are your impressions of this group? Let me just say, I'll start at the end and work my way back up there, that I am so happy that Texas didn't stoop uh, that low. I mean, the the clearly third best of the stoops, right? Like, you know, the other stoops brothers at least had successful head coaching stints. Um, look, on paper, a former head coach with a lot of coordinated experience, whatever, whatever, to coach a position, it sounds good. But people, um, I think Sark realized quickly how deep that rivalry runs. And he's a guy who was notorious for just absolutely trashing and bad-mouthing Texas uh, while on the recruiting trail for for OU. So um, no love lost there. So that's I'll just get that out of the way. Thank God uh, that didn't come to fruition. But, I mean, there's a couple names on here who just, like, jump out, right? There's a, there's an Alabama connection in Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks, and, and A.J. Milwee on offense. Look, Sark was the offensive coordinator. He brought three of his guys on the offensive side who you know, were part of that electric recruiting and execution. So bring it all. All gas, no brakes. I love it. Um, the other two offensive guys are holdovers. So our offense is basically last year's Alabama plus two holdovers from Texas forming uh, that group. And, and you know, I hope it's more Alabama than Texas was last year, um, you know, but uh, there were certainly a lot of highlights uh, from Texas. And I think one of the biggest one is B. John Robinson in the run game. So keeping Sandraden makes a lot of sense. We'll see uh, exactly, you know, the, the ceiling of Andre Coleman. But I think it's it's a really, really, really good offensive staff with an offensive-minded head coach. Um, and, and again, just that fact that we have a Kyle on the coaching staff, it's the thing we've been missing longest not having a person named Kyle obviously you know you have one uh, of the top podcasters covering the team but you don't have someone in that side you know on the inside named Kyle I think Kyle Flood coming to be the offensive coordinator really remedies that in a, uh, in, a in a really powerful way so I'm excited 
very excited about the offensive side of the ball. I'm obviously facetious. Kyle Flood uh, would be just as good if his name was Keith Flood. Um, I'm not going to say better, but just as good. So uh, an incredible coach there. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, like you said, just getting Kwiatkowski, unbelievable. Like, again, I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, I broke down so much of his tape before this. I I knew, you know, Washington had great defenses, got people drafted, had a good reputation, knew they'd had consistency in their coordinators um, up there. Um, But every person I've talked to since that happened who has ties up there, and and there's been a lot – is raving about the loss, how much it hurts Washington and how good uh, it is for Texas. So I, I choose to trust the numbers until we see otherwise there, but just, just a great staff. Again, I I'm excited getting, getting Bo Davis back again, an Alabama connection there though. He's been in the NFL lately brings that NFL experience, an incredible recruiter and a guy who knows Texas. Um, and it's good. It's good to have that. There's three guys who know to four. In fact, with Blake Gideon hasn't coached here, but it's played here Four guys on this staff who know Texas. So a good job by Sark bringing the guys he knows, getting the national searching, coaching search kind of reach that Texas should have, get the best of the best wherever they are, um, and then keeping some Texas. I think like balancing those three things has been tough for a lot of Texas coaches or just coaches in general in the past, and, and I, I don't think he could have done a whole lot better uh, than, than the, the sum of, of, of parts of this group. The balance you look for are the the two types of guys. We've talked about this before. You've got like your recruiters and you've got your developers. And I think this staff has a has like the perfect mix. And now we still the you know Andre Coleman is hot early. We're, we'll talk more about that in the second segment. But like you know Coleman could be a plus recruiter for Texas depending on you know what what this offense looks like. Jeff Banks easily the best recruit, one of the best recruiters in the country, not the best recruiter. Bo Davis. Um, Shiro Davis didn't turn out to be what we thought he was, but that was a massive coup for for Bo Davis. I remember sitting at, at my desk at work, and my boss was actually a Texas fan as well, and so neither of us were working on National Signing Day. Well, we were working on National Signing Day covering other schools, but we were also keeping an eye on the Texas signings, and that was a huge one. We got up and high-fived each other in the middle of the office, uh, but like... This is that to me is is the biggest selling point. And, uh, you know, we'll talk more about this with with Mike in a little bit. But like, you know, a guy like Kwiatkowski is not necessarily known as a recruiter, but he's put like 16 guys in the NFL in the last like five years, six years. Right. So like you pair that with the recruiting of Bo Davis, the recruiting of Jeff Banks, even, you know, we're hearing decent early returns on Blake Gideon and Terry Joseph on the recruiting trail. So like you pair a guy who knows how to develop players with the guys who can get you the time top tier blue chip guys like that's a winning proposal now it's got to play itself out on the field and texas has to get out of its own way like it hasn't in previous years because you know what tom herman recruited hot early but couldn't squeeze the most out of these guys i think you know the 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 thing i want to look at with with the defense and and i did i I did a nerdy deep dive because i you know had a couple of long uh long afternoons long evenings with the baby like people are talking about like you know, scoring defense and things like that. And it's absolutely nuts how good Kwiatkowski defenses have been. Like, over basically a decade of coaching defenses, he averages one and a half points per drive. Which, if, you, if you're if you not familiar with it, points per drive, I feel like it's a more accurate way to, to judge, a, judge a defense's output. The way that he has, has managed to um, orchestrate a defense that, that kind of chokes defenses and allows offenses to crockpot them because that's that's what you saw a lot at Washington is that the defense would just kind of boa constrict you all day while the offense just chipped away and that and that's something to, to look out for is the speed of play that he's played against you know he 
only faced, you know, on on average like 70 plays a game where Sark is going to run somewhere in the range of 70 plays per game. So, like, you've got to make sure that the defenses on the field don't get gassed, and that's a thing that we'll talk about later. But on the surface, when you look at these statistics, like, it's a, it's a slam dunk for Texas. I, I'm very excited. I, I think – we could do a deep dive podcast on any one of these these new guys and their their history that they're bringing with them. I mean, just one thing to think you mentioned Shiro Davis as well and um, Terry Joseph is if we have all these guys and again Texas focused Texas guys and guys who recruited Texas for other schools. I'm excited kind of to see what Terry Joseph, who was the guy who got five star Speedy Noyle to go to A and M when he was there and is a Louisiana guy. I'm I'm excited to see if we could poach a couple Louisiana kids every year to go with our you know Arizona pipeline and Sark's son at Mater Day and his his you know connections there and then uh, you know the the Washington folks bringing the rest of the West Coast like. Texas doesn't have to be a national recruiting program, um, but this staff offers them that, right? And and, and um, continue to lock down Texas. This is the best football state in, in the union, but, you know, grab some kids from outside as well and balance it out uh, a little bit. And I, I like I like the possibility that we have before us uh, with this staff assembled. And, and again, not just getting them on campus, but a lot of guys who are known for putting dudes in the NFL and, and developing them over the years on whatever campus uh, they were at and, and came from. So I, I, I'm excited, as excited as I could be with a staff um, announcement. I don't remember ever being nearly this exciting before. It was like, oh, who's it going to be? And this time it was like, oh my gosh, like, what like biography am I going to dive deep into? You know, who, who, uh, what tomes shall I read about what this guy has done in the past? Kyle Flood's offensive line, uh, you know, schematics and, and, and his specific systems or, you know, like just, you, you could take any one of these guys, uh, minus Gideon, who's young, but I, I see hope there, um, and, and, and read a lot and, and have a lot to like. And not to rag on the last two coaches, because we've done plenty of that, but this feels like the first guy that came in and was like, you know what? I know where I'm at. I know what color I'm wearing. I know the logo on my chest, and I know how deep y'all's pockets are. So let me go out and let me buy the best. As much as college football is about loyalty, it's also a business. And so being able to, you know what? Being willing to open the, the checkbook and pay Jeff Banks what they're reportedly paying Jeff Banks to do what Jeff Banks does, that's, that's how you win at Texas. Because if you can get a couple of game-changing guys in your first couple of classes and then coach them up, which you have the guys that can do that, Texas will start to recruit itself, and then you kind of just get to keep the ship afloat. And that's the model that they're hoping to, to employ. You don't just take a bunch of Alabama's coaches and not run your program like Alabama. And that's what Sarkeesian is hoping to do. So we will obviously talk a lot more. The team literally just hit the field for the first time under the new coaching staff Monday as we're recording. So we'll have obviously more about that uh, even on today's podcast because Mike Roach will come on and talk a little bit about recruiting in just a few moments. So about, a, um, I guess, probably a month ago now, we reached out to to Mike Roach, our friend, um, and asked him to come on the pod. And he said, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll do it, but I'll have more to say when the coaching staff is finally finalized. Because Mike is the biggest mention in the world. He decided to come on and hang out with us then. And now the coaching staff is finalized, and while there are things moving, uh, Mike is also going to join us today because Mike is just one of our favorite people. So, Mike, man, you doing all right today? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you, fellas? No complaints in the world, Mike. Uh, you know, it's getting warm here in Texas. Weather's all right. You know, COVID, whatever. We'll see what goes there. But for things that we have control over, uh, I'm doing okay. 
I'm not as busy as you, and 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 that always makes me feel uh, worse about my my grievances, but better about my daily schedule. But uh, otherwise, man, I got no complaints in the world. Hey, don't worry about me. I'm a week and a half away from vacation, so uh, <laughs> fantastic. Good God, do I need one? <laughs> He's already on, signing on a day beach. is right around the corner. <laughs> yeah, and I do a post signing day vacation every year. It's like it's my it's my reward to my wife. Like she puts up with me through like from November through January, and like me not being very present most of the time. And so it's like the last week, like this week, I'm going to be a nightmare to live with. Um, <laughs> and so her reward is I'm like pick a place. I don't care where. Like book it as long as we can just. Get and I can clear my mind. That's like, that'll be the trip where I'll like, I'll take my laptop, but I hopefully won't use it very much. And, um, you know, I'm going to try to just unplug. So we're going to Colorado and I'll be uh, in Winter Park, Colorado. I don't ski, I don't snowboard. So I'm just going to lay around and drink coffee and look at the snow, I guess. Amazing. We, uh, one of our best friends had his, uh, his bachelor party in a, in a skiing town and I don't ski either. So, um, we ate steaks, we had some drinks and we looked at some snow, but we're, we're, we're here to talk about, uh, the new coaching staff, you know, like we said, Texas announced the new coaching staff, you know, it seems like it's already paying dividends and Mike, you like an hour or so before we, we recorded on Monday night. You put in a crystal ball for for uh, Evan Stewart for Texas. We're not going to ask you to break down the the recruitment. You already wrote a piece up on on Horns two four seven. So if you want to read that, people can go there and find that. But really, what we want to know, Mike, it seems like the all gas no breaks approach isn't just applying to on the field or to the training. It seems like this this coaching staff is coming out fully in full court press mode. The offers are going out. the The players seem to be responding well. Like what's what is the recruiting landscape look like as you know with a coaching staff announced two weeks before signing day and kind of playing catch up on the 22 class yeah it's um look i mean if they land evan stewart that's a massive first victory and it's a great indicator of things to come i'm still i i said this on the board i put it the pick in i wish i had more confirmation to feel better about it i still am not quite where i want to be on it the the timing is just really weird to me the timing is is raising all sorts of red flags in my head but all the pieces i'm putting together say texas so i gotta kind of go with that and just roll the dice a little bit but uh man if they land him that's a massive win right off you know right right out of the gates and um you know today was the first day i I don't know when this i guess this will drop what tuesday yeah yeah. Um, so Monday today, as we're recording, was the first day the staff really got to meet as a staff um, and talk about recruiting. And and as you can see, they're getting active on on offers. Um, you know, they're really putting the press on guys. Uh, you know, I saw some some edits go out to some of their bigger targets in California. Larry Turner, good and uh, a safety I love out there, and C.J. Williams, a big time receiver. So yeah, they're really going all gas, no breaks now on this kind of. Uh, on kind of recruiting. And so I think that they can catch up at 22, man. They, they're, they're a little behind, um, but you know, it, they've got the book. Now they've got the momentum and, and um, right now they're the hot school just because they got the new car smell. They got the Alabama office. They got a great coaching staff coming in. Everybody's talking good about Texas again. And so I think right, I'm to try to use that influence, push for some minutes and see what you can get out of the deal. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's uh <laughs> 
there there is a there is a definite momentum like you said the new car smell there's something going on i mean it doesn't hurt that the the staff that came out officially is just loaded with recruiters there's there's obviously uh jeff banks uh, on the offensive side uh, in, in addition to who's you know still there aj milwe as well coming over um but on the defensive side a guy who comes back to texas bo davis um i'm i'm excited maybe most of all to have bo back and just after his uh great recruiting we'll say it that way from Alabama um uh, is there a guy on the staff who you're just uh you've heard from kids or you yourself have a feeling that is just going to come in and just start start throwing uh start throwing haymakers that's Jeff Banks man Jeff Banks is a a, a wizard he is a a warlock uh <laughs> I a lot of other fa- uh, fantasy terms I can come up for him um I mean that guy to get a guy like Jeff Banks too who is known as one of the best recruiters in the state of Texas He's got West Coast ties and is known as one of the best national recruiters. By the way, he's the best special teams coach in the country, too. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know that you get more. Look, a million dollars a year is a lot to pay for a special teams coach. I don't know that there's anything that's ever been more worth it to Texas if things (laughs) pan out like I think they might. And that's and Banks is that kind of guy. What I'm really interested to see, weirdly enough, is the guys that stayed. Right. Like, I want to see what Stan Drayton and Andre Coleman look like with this staff. Mm. Um, You know, I've already talked about how much. heard you know that that tom Herman kind of put the handcuffs on what andre cole receiver tom Herman fancied himself the receiver guru of all receiver gurus and meddled to the point where i was told garrett wilson was offered the person who offered him got yelled at because tom hadn't approved it um so that, that's how much there, there was meddling and so i want to see now with the with the handcuffs off what andre coleman can really do and, um, and and I'm excited about seeing those two guys go to work. Another guy that I think I'm curious about on this staff and a guy who Texas fans are really familiar with is Blake Gideon, who's coming in. Uh, he's he's kind of a fast rising coach. His name was floated out there even last year when Texas was trying to, to rebuild its coaching staff after, you know, Tom Herman pulled the pulled the rip cord. So what are you hearing? What are you seeing about a guy who? can not only, you know, sell his pedigree as a fast rising coach, been through the SEC, but a guy who can sell his experience at Texas. Like, what are you hearing about Blake Gideon in the early returns? I, you know, I didn't have a lot on Blake Gideon when he was hired as far as him as a recruiter. I mean, he, he was mostly at Georgia Southern and then spent one year at Houston, one year at Ole Miss. So we don't have a great sample size for what he could do. That said, I think the range for where he kind of ranks as a recruiter is pretty wide mm-hmm. uh, because right now I would just put him kind of in that solid recruiter group. Um but I think he's got a ceiling that could be really good. I mean, he's a young guy. He's fiery. He came up under Will Muschamp. Uh, learned under him both in playing and in coaching. And that's a guy that, uh, you know, I think is is very much A, you don't start for four years at Texas um, without being really knowledgeable about the game. And uh, B, that's a guy who's going to be able to really share his story and, and have a passion for what he's doing. I mean, he's back home, a Leander kid who's yeah. now coach at Texas. I mean, that's, it's the dream for him. And so, yeah, I think the sky's the limit um, really for what Blake can be as a recruiter. I talked to actually a parent the other day who told me that they had had a couple of introductory conversations with Blake and they could tell just talking to him how much it meant to be at Texas and to be recruiting. And, awesome. and they got a pretty great perspective of him having gone through it. 
my favorite thing about Coach Gideon is obviously his, his opportunity to to slightly reinvent the narrative instead of you know the the two plays he didn't make in his career, which some people will remember and they've made their jokes. But um, he's a guy who's coming in and 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 a hometown kid, four year player, uh, team captain, just you know has that energy and and. and He's an interesting name because he came in pretty early uh, in the staff kind of came in a little bit, you know, it wasn't like you'd expect coordinator, then position, then position um, on the defensive side. And so um, I would really like to talk about defensive coordinator uh, Pete Kwiatkowski, which I definitely looked up his name. And that's uh, a lot of people don't know necessarily Pete. He's, He's football heads know him from Washington. But I think the idea was that he's a good coach. Maybe not the elite elite coach, maybe not the elite recruiter, but you know, again, with some of the recruiters already on the staff. How do you feel about obviously getting Eaton in there, but the rest of the defensive staff and what he can do at defensive coordinator for that side of the ball? I really, I thought the funny part was so, like, if you followed the circus that was the DC search, it was like we heard Zach Arnett's name, and then I heard the worst things about Zach Arnett through this. You notice how his name popped up at a bunch of places, and he interviewed a bunch of places, and nobody hired him? Dude, yeah. I heard just disaster stories about that guy's interviews. Uh-oh. So, um, you know, you heard I heard it here I, first. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just uh, I, I don't know how true they are, but like everybody I talked to at other schools was like, yeah. In fact, I had one college coach call me and go, do you know who Zach Arnett's agent is? And I was like, no. And he goes, I need to find that dude and hire him because <laughs> he's, he's worth it. Um, so Zach Arnett's name was in there. Like Pete Golding was the one that kept circling back to. And, you know, what we heard was that. Texas was basically waiting for Nick Saban to find an upgrade and let Pete Golding go, and then they could hire Pete Golding. And, um, you know, looking at it, I had a source in Alabama ask me just flat out during it as we were going back and forth, just say, why is Texas doing this? Like, they're Texas, right? They can go out and find one of the best guys in the country, and and turns out that's what they did. Um, Kwiatkowski, you know, when his name up i thought wow there's no way they can get that guy right i mean he's a lifelong pacific northwesterner and uh and all these things and and, you know credit to the football brainiacs who were way ahead of everybody on that one and it broke the story um i texted brandon huffman who is our guy in the pacific northwest really dialed in with with all of those programs but specifically the the washington program and he was just like dude if they pull this off it's incredible i mean this guy is a heck of a dc he's really stopped some big time programs um you know shut down mike leach a lot when when mike leach was at washington state he's been he's produced draft picks they eval well they they play schematically very sound i've watched actually a ton of 2016 washington football games just to kind of get an idea of, of what he does because that's the last year that we kind of know he was calling the defense alone um and, and not being meddled with but uh man i i think that that's a, a that's an incredible hire and i'll tell you this from what i've heard from our guys up there no he's not jeff banks he's not bo davis but i don't think he's a bad recruiter i don't mm. think he's even an av- average recruiter from what i've heard he is a kind of like an above average guy like he's gonna go get you some guys i don't think he's gonna be asked to do a ton that's why you surround him with recruiters yeah. you let him do his thing but i've been told that you know he certainly is not out outgunned in a recruit you, you said you kind of answered the, the question in there he doesn't need to be Jeff Banks or Bo Davis because, well, Texas went ahead and hired those two guys too. So I want to ask a question about the the other side of the ball and the coordinator over there. Um, you know, 
we have not been shy with our criticisms of the offensive line and, and kind of the offensive line recruiting um, in the last couple of years. And, and when Kyle Flood's name floated out there, I actually said this in the, the Burn Orange Nation Slack channel. I was like laying in bed, unable to sleep, thinking of like what my dream <laughs> hire would be for the Texas offensive line. And Kyle Flood was like, yeah, that would be great. But no way in hell does he come to Texas. And then all of a sudden these these dominoes start to fall in the right position. So, you know, he's he's kind of more known as a developer, kind of like uh, Pete Kwiatkowski. So what do we like what how big of an impact can that have for Texas recruiting a position that they've really struggled to recruit for the last three or four cycles? He is the offensive coordinator in name. I think when you have Steve Sarkeesian, obviously, you know, he's going to be calling the offense. So it's great because, yeah, I'm sure Kyle Flood's going to have a lot of input on game planning, but, you know, he he has less duties than your traditional offensive coordinator and therefore can throw more into recruiting. And man, he's been getting after it, uh, really getting after it since he's been here. He's talked to just about every major target on the 22 list, which is great because Herb Ham barely talked to any of them. Um, and then, uh, you know, he, I think he's got him really in a sneaky good position now with Austin Uke, who is uh, really kind of fading Texas in the last month. I actually, I wrote some stuff on UK today, talked to him over the weekend. And I think this next week and a half is going to be really, really, we're going to see what Kyle Flood's made of um, right off the bat, because I mean, if he comes in here and kind of flips the script on UK who had Texas in his top group, but kind of only because they were close to home. Um, if he could come in and land him, I think that again, like Evan Stewart, that says a lot about you guys you have. And so, yeah, I mean, I think he's a, he's a really good developer. I, you know, obviously he, he recruited the Brockermeyers to Alabama. I talked to Blake Brockermeyer a lot. Um, so I, I've got a, you know, a, a lot of great insight on Kyle flood as, as you know, he was recruiting them. And, and Blake is a big fan of his, you know, he was, he, you know, he was like, it wasn't the reason we picked Alabama, but it was a reason for sure. You know, Alabama kind of recruits itself, but you know, we did love what coach flood teaches and how he develops and, and he's a great guy as well. So I've heard nothing but just phenomenal reviews on the guy. And on the UK recruitment, shout out to Sharon Wood and all the staff at the uh, school of engineering for, for trying to assist on that one. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, I believe tonight, I need to double check with him. Tonight as we're recording, he's supposed to be having a Zoom call with the uh, engineering department. When Texas leverages its assets, I mean, Alabama's an amazing football program, but when Texas leverages its true advantage of being in the coolest city and having one of the best universities in the country and has a good football team, like that version of peak Texas of Mac Brown, I just have to offer juniors and I'm done. Texas recruits itself. Like they... How, how do you beat it, man? I, that, that's my thing. When I think NCAA 14 and you look at the built-ins of, of Austin, of UT already that are that are very good or excellent, again, if you're not familiar with that video game, just go play it. Um, but, uh, you know, like it, it has all the natural build-ins. Literally, the only thing missing was on-the-field success. So uh, you, you change that a little bit. Um, man, it feels like just fireworks ready to fly off. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think, like that's kind of what I was saying when I – Blake one day, you know, I said, well, how is Flood as a recruiter? And he says, well, you know, he's great. I don't want to say anything bad, but he's like, but Bama kind of recruits itself. Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, but so does Texas. You know, that's the thing we forget mm. is when Texas is good, Texas recruits itself more than almost anybody. Hell, even when Texas was eh, kind of meh <laughs> under Tom Herman in his first couple of years, they were recruiting. It's 
you know, it wasn't that that Herman had just a staff of all-star recruiters or anything. They, you know, it's people want to see te- I, I try to explain this. People in state want to see Texas be good for the most part. You know, the high school coaches, for the most part, they to see them succeed. They want to send their kids to Texas. And so I think that, you know, it's just you gotta gotta have a guy that people A trust and B believe in that that he's doing the right things. We don't just bring you on to talk about recruiting. That's that's what you that's what you get paid for. But we also want this to feel like a mini vacation for you. So um, one of the things that you have talked about at, at length on our podcast is your love for hockey. And, and I'll be honest with you, you've never led us astray. So I have have taken up the uh, the challenge to watch some hockey. So I'm I'm, I'm two I'm two matches in um, to my Dallas Stars. We don't, we don't call them matches. And, we don't call oh. them matches. That's for soccer. Oh my! I'm two bloodbaths in here. Get the terminology correct. <laughs> we'll, we'll just we'll say two wins in. I'm two. I'm two for two. Two wins into my Dallas Stars fandom. So, um, I guess the the question for you is: as a Texas fan, I'm used to having the same complaints over and over and over again. So, if there's a thing that Dallas Stars fans are complaining about, and I'll feel like a regular, like what what are the things I need to be saying on Twitter to to really feel like I'm one of the crowd? Let me go back a little bit. I once took my wife to Vegas. She had never gambled in her life. And I told her, when you gamble, you lose money. It's just the way it is. You lose more than you win. She went out and won like four grand on slot machines on that trip (laughs) and thought like, oh, I'm just really good at gambling. And like literally the next three times we went to casinos, she won huge. And I was just like, yeah, it doesn't always happen like this. You know, finally we got to a point where she lost and I'm like, okay, good. Now I can teach you the lesson. But for a while she really thought I was full of it or a, or just a bad gambler. So I say all this to say that Gerald's first game, the stars who didn't get to start their season on time because of COVID come out and score seven straight goals to win a game seven to nothing. And I texted him right after and was like, dude, it ain't, always like this at all <laughs> and, and a big reason for that is the stars struggle offensively from time to time there there are long, prolonged periods of times where they go through gold droughts and and b they've struggled tremendously on the power play and since gerald has come along the stars have like the hottest power play in hockey history they are scoring i didn't get to watch the game the other night because some stupid football game was on that i don't even really want to talk about um but uh of following the stars game on twitter and i'm just seeing okay power play goal pavelski power play goal uh rupe <laughs> so yeah i think you can kind of you can kind of uh gerald if you want to gripe gripe about goals at even strength and here's the other thing that like uh it divides stars nation john klingberg our fantastic defenseman he's got a great head of hair he has no two front teeth and he whips a solid wrister from the point uh, people love him or hate him. He is your biggest boomer bus guy because he might score like two goals and an assist in a game. And he might also give up that many. Um, and so like that's what divides is the people who want to trade Klingberg and the people who want to sign him long-term. So if ever in doubt, just start bagging on Klinger. I'm t- I, I took notes. I'm taking notes on my end. So I'm, I want to, I want to sound like I know what the heck I'm talking about. So I appreciate it. Do you want to do, I told you the other night, do you want to do hockey one-on-one? Are there any major questions you have? I, I would love to I'll, get your first impressions of everything and, and the team and all that. I think my, my, my biggest first impression of the, of the, it, 
And I think the reason why I called it a match is it feel it feels like soccer in a lot of ways, but faster. Where the 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 way that the players move and, and the way that they address the puck feels like soccer in just a tiny little uh, area, which 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 is an easier transition for me. So I think I'm used to being knowing like how to watch like players and positions in football. So like, what do I need to be watching to in a hockey in a hockey game? Like, what do I need to be watching? Always watch for open. That's what hockey's trying to attack. You're you're looking for guys who are unmarked in the zone. So, like when you see them on the power play and they're working it around, right? Sometimes you get frustrated. And you're like, just shoot the puck, right? But what they're doing is probing for weak spots because you're down a man, right? So you can kind of find the open guy and and get it to him. And, and a lot of times that's how you score. So yeah, watch a lot of that, um, man. If you ever get a chance to watch the Edmonton Oilers uh, play, Connor, Mc, uh, not Connor McGregor, Connor McDavid is the best player on the planet uh he is in, like he's 6'1 190 he's the fastest in nhl history and like has insane control of the puck watch that guy at any opportunity he's phenomenal uh, but really i mean what you're looking for i think a lot of people get confused with hockey with like why why do they skate to, to mid ice and then just shoot the puck into the end uh you know things like that like why do they willingly give up possession and, and things like that and what they're really trying to through the neutral zone and and um you know get the puck in and then they'll go they call a four check and go you know cause a turnover in the own end and, and get possession that way but uh man the, the the hardest battle with hockey is just finding the puck a lot when you're new and knowing where it is um you know once you watch a lot it's kind of like soccer I, so i assume gerald you watch soccer because you mentioned it's an easy transition you know how when a buildup is coming in soccer you can feel a goal is coming like you can see it like the makings of it it's all setting up right yeah you get to there with hockey, right? Like you'll get to my wife does like my wife and, and my brother who doesn't watch it at all. They don't understand that like 10 seconds before a shot, I'm yelling, no, 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 no. Because I can see a guy like floating over to the circle unmarked with a stick up about to rip a one timer. And, um, and I just like to say for, for us hockey stands out there, they say that the hardest thing in the world to do in, in sports is to hit a round ball with a round bat. I would contend that chasing a frozen piece of rubber down the ice as it's bouncing while you're standing on knives uh, and trying to control it with a stick is probably pretty difficult. Um, I think I've been skating. I can count the number of times I've been skating in on maybe one hand, if not two. I'm just I'm not built for it. But like it's like skating itself is just like absolutely awful. Like I can't I hate it. So I can't imagine like moving quickly on those things while also trying to do a thousand others. Do you have a favorite player yet? Have you have you found oh, a favorite man. player? Oh man, I I'm still so new. I'm still so I, I'm feeling it out. I you know I'm I'm the guy that likes you know right guards and right <laughs> tackles. So I'm trying to figure out like I, I always like the offbeat players. Like it's easy it's easy to like the guy who scores the all the goals. It's easy to like the keeper. Like it's just it's it's I don't know yet. I'm 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 feeling it out. Let me pitch you. I sh- I sent you a picture of our goalie Anton Hudobin. He's a Kazakhstani maniac. Nice. Um, and he's not even our number one goalie. That's the thing. Like Ben Bishop, who's six seven and is on injured reserve, is our number one goalie. But they're kind of but I sent you an incredible picture of him shirtless, eating a plate of wings, I think, and like drinking <laughs> a beer, sweating. Um, he is the most entertaining man in hockey. Uh Jamie Ben's the captain. He got hurt actually in the first game, didn't play it in the second game, but his like his highlight reel is just him. He can score fifty goals a year, and then he'll like just beat the hell out of everybody on your team too. Uh, Miro Heiskanen is like the defenseman. He's like the ace guy. He's the young up and kind of like the next star on the team. But if you're looking for an offbeat guy, I'm thinking 
Hmm. I'm thinking Radic Foxa your guy he's a he's a two-way center so he doesn't score a ton he plays a 200 foot game though i mean he's as good on defense as he is on offense he's a face-off wizard and he will score a little bit so you'll like that he's a big guy and um he's also what we call a puck magnet which means yeah uh he just gets a lot of bad luck in the face <laughs> with the puck a lot <laughs> so. i'm down i i'm i'm in i'm in all right so I'll have to I'll have to look up stats and and, and history so I can tell I'm I, I like it I'm down so Mike I appreciate this like this is this has been helpful for me this really has been I was scrolling on Twitter one night and I saw you said I'm going to get into hockey like what team should I follow and of course I was right in there you know I mean I for me <laughs> hockey is really when I get to be like true just like let it all out fan like I'm a Buffalo Bills fan that game was obviously painful for me the other night but like hockey I just nobody else cares about it so like I can be as crazy about it as I want to be and it's it's great I I wanted to recruit you to to come join the Stars Nation and you said Stars Twitter's been pretty welcoming to you so far very very I I mean I I tweeted out like a couple of minutes into my first game like what are some things I can yell at my TV and I got like (laughs) nine responses it was it, it was so welcoming I felt I felt like it was it was just being among friends yeah, that's and that's kind of how hockey is. You you deal with hockey is it walks a very thin line between people who are very inclusive and want others in the game and very hardcore and like you don't know anything about real hockey. Uh, uh, those guys and those guys are the worst. And soccer has that fandom too, like right, like the ones that want to keep it real hipstery and, and like and kind of you know non mainstream. So hockey has a, an the, element of that as well. The baseball purists too, who like you know argue about anything fun that happens in baseball. That's not how it's supposed to be played. I feel like that is that is that the element as well. Yeah, except the 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 hockey version of that is the guy who argues that the game was way better when you could literally just hit somebody with a stick in the face <laughs> and they wouldn't call it. As someone who is someone who whose entire hockey like backlog is NHL ninety four Miracle and all the Mighty Ducks movies, I, I I see how that person may have a point. I I may need you to educate Gerald and then Gerald to educate me. I feel like I'm the, I'm the furthest behind, only two games behind Gerald, but the furthest behind. Um, isn't Dallas though? Gerald being in Oklahoma, the closest franchise. So isn't he already rooting for the hometown team? Am I correct in that? Uh, there's not a Kansas City team, right? No, there's not. Um, no, I mean, you're talking about around you would be I mean, Nashville would probably be the closest other than Dallas. Um, yeah, so he's right. He's in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 you definitely came to the right place, my friend. Plus I would assume you're, you can probably watch them pretty easily from where you are. You get Fox sports Southwest or something. And that must be nice. Cause they took that off Hulu TV. So I have to watch them on my laptop. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we get, we get all the DFW Fox directional, so which I got to watch the high, the Texas high school playoffs from the comfort of my own couch, and it was it was great. Yeah, so you're in the right spot, and you don't want to be a Nashville fan anyway. They suck. They got they got absolutely blasted by my Dallas Stars in in our, in the season. My open. Dallas Stars, I love that. <laughs> and that is that is the Stars like quote unquote rival. They don't have a lot of regional rivals, so like Nashville's kind of turned into a rival over the last couple of years. Um, you know what you should do if you could go find it on YouTube or something. Go back and watch last year's Winter Classic that happened at the Cotton Bowl, the outdoor game between Dallas and, and Nashville. It was, it was an awesome experience, and, and 
my favorite game of the year because I always play it, you know, outdoor at a giant football stadium mm. and, and they wear the throwback uniforms. And so, yeah, go, go find that. I'm sure we've talked so much hockey like I've ruined your podcast, but um, <laughs> I don't care. I'll keep going. So it's up it's, to you. It's, it's fine. I think I think we're at a one to one at this point for, for <laughs> hockey and recruiting, which is fine. It's our podcast. We do what we want. We have only mentioned we've only mentioned hockey twice, twice in the history of this podcast. We once mentioned it. With that very winter classic, I think UT's hockey, club hockey played A and M, and we were we were drooling over the jerseys, which were fantastic. And I used it two weeks ago to say that uh, Texas was ranked in all of the eight major college sports that weren't regional, and that felt like a dig at college hockey. And I apologize if there are some college hockey heads who listen to this after we've just evangelized the pro game. So uh, we now have our third reference of hockey, and it is you know about twenty five minutes. So uh, it seems right, it seems tracks with us. I will say this: college hockey. Hockey is very cool up north uh, in the Hockey East Conference, like your BU, your Boston College, your Northeastern, Vermont, Maine, um, you know, even like Notre Dame's got a great squad, Michigan. Michigan's got a cool squad because they bring the winged helmets to hockey and everything and the uniforms are awesome. And so if you can watch a little bit of the Frozen Four um, when that happens, check that out. But yeah, the, the hockey down here is very much club hockey. Uh, not not uh, NCAA school sanctioned hockey. Actually, you know who who has like a growing program that's exploding? Arizona State has <laughs> like an incredible like the the Coyotes being in Phoenix have like uh, grown hockey. So you may have heard of Austin Matthews who plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's one of the best young players in the country. He's like the first guy that the NHL like westward expansion paid off for because he grew up in in Arizona and like like just saw hockey when the, when the coyotes came to Arizona and was like, Oh, I think I'm going to play that, you know, like Seth Jones, Popeye Jones's kid who plays for uh, Columbus, like grew up in, in Colorado and was like, Oh, I'd rather play hockey than basketball. So it's cool. Uh, the Westward expansion is, is happening. So that's enough. I'll, I'll get, I'll get off the hockey spiel for now. Uh, just to just, I'm not watching anything new, just in case you guys were wondering, other than it's it's been a couple weeks. I'm still on the challenge, uh, about to finish up my second, the second to last season. So I'll let you guys know when I'm on to something new. That sounds good, man. We, I honestly haven't watched much either. We're going to talk about that in our, our own segment. So it's uh, we'll be right there with you. But uh, I will tell you what. Watching games might be the new thing is, is watching games with Mike and maybe we'll have to find a way to live stream that or something because this has been a joy for two people and I won't put Gerald in that category, maybe just one who doesn't know much about hockey because Gerald obviously knows a lot already um but uh, this has been a joy man I, I feel like I, I have learned this has been uh, Professor Roach out here teaching if you guys can figure out how to do that technology because I can't and like I can watch the game, I'm I'm down to run a hockey one-on-one class and just everybody <laughs> log in and ask me. Um, and, and we'll we'll watch a game together at some point. I can I can get down on that. If we ever launch the Patreon, that live stream will be a Patreon perk for anybody that for anybody that wants to. You sponsor us, you get to watch hockey with us and Mike on the live stream. But Mike, if people want to find both you recruiting and your hockey takes, man, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, Mike Roach 247 on Twitter and Horns 247 on the message board. I've logged over 700 posts this month. Uh, my goal for to get paid is 250, so we're well over. So we mentioned, and this is going to drag on even more. You mentioned last time that you were on that you were trying to set records. How's that going? I'm I've, I can't. I don't know like what the record is because I don't ever like one. Usually, like once I've hit my goal, I just stop tracking. I'm good. Like never 
really tracked it, but I can't imagine. I, I think I've probably blown it away at this point. It's just one of those things where like, I have to keep checking because I'm like, my God, I've never posted on the message board this much in a month. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. What is 750 divided by 25 days? I mean, whatever that is, um, that seems like easy math for somebody who's probably good at math. Someone is shouting right now, one of our engineer listeners. Of course, it's 30. It's 30. <laughs> If I'm if I'm averaging thirty posts a day, like it's pretty insane. So uh, yeah, um, I can't wait to get to the, the end of this month and go on vacation just to bring it back around to the beginning of the show. <laughs> well, well they, Mike, thanks again so much for taking time out to uh, to come on and hang out with us. We know you have a lot going on that you're still going to uh, work after you uh, leave us tonight. Yeah, and I haven't eaten dinner yet either, so I was like, oh, as soon as I get done with this, I'm going to Taco Bell or Whataburton. To... I got I to gotta tell my wife, she's been trying to get me to eat at home more, and I'm like, as soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going out to get something. So, uh, start with <laughs> Well, enjoy. Wherever you land, Mike, enjoy it. Thanks again, brother. All right, thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. So now's the part of the show where we give some shine to all the stuff we somehow didn't have time for me because we talked too much <laughs> hockey, and we down the 40. So the big news, Texas is getting back on the hardwood finally, at least as it stands at 9.15 on Monday evening, but they will do it without head coach Shaka Smart, who was diagnosed with COVID-19. Well, at least he announced it on Monday. So, so assistant head coach KT Turner will be at the helm for the Longhorns. No, uh, no word yet on the length of his hair. I haven't been paying too close of attention, uh, but this is obviously a tough uh, a tough loss for Texas, again, as they're trying to rebuild some momentum in this conference run. And remember we talked about in the beginning of the season how good the Big 12 was and there was tiers of like really super-duper elite. And then we said, you know, and, and, and really don't sleep on that second tier of Oklahoma State and OU. They're probably both going to be top 25 teams now. And OU actually did recently make their way into the rankings at 24. So even though Texas has had, I think, uh, 113 days since their last game to prepare uh, for for this one. Um, you know, don't sleep on on you know this is a, a tough game for the Longhorns, especially without uh, the head and hair coach of 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 Shaka, Shaka Smart being. Uh, on the sidelines and in, in a really, you know, good defensive positions uh, because he is probably the most aggressively defensive stanced coach in the NCAA this year. So that's a big loss. We'll see if Coach Kamekahepa uh, can make up for it. Here's hoping. I mean, I think Coach Heppa is always good to have on the sidelines. He, that, that kid absolutely is going to be like a, yeah. a grad assistant in like a year and a half. It's totally fine. Uh, so women's basketball um, wins – two last week after dropping two of their last three. So trying to rebuild a little bit of a win streak. They absolutely demolished TCU at home, 71 to 54. Charlie Collier put in a 23 and 20 outing, which is absolutely nuts. Uh, And then they followed it up by pulling off an upset. Somehow they're still unranked, but they beat Iowa State 70 to 59 in Ames, which I think that's their second road win of the entire season, which is absolutely massive uh, for them. Their 10th double-digit win in the last 14 games. Again, Charlie Collier, um, just a ho-hum night. Not quite her performance from previous uh, 22 and 19. That's a joke. Um, her 10th double-double of the uh, the season, and it leads actually a, a nation high or a nation leading uh, 10 is massive. Uh, for her efforts, she was named the Big 12 Player of the Week. So a big rebound week for the ladies uh, as they're trying to, to, to kind of build some momentum to close out the season. 
hopefully a intentional segue, but a really good one, Gerald. Definitely a big rebound week. Charlie Collier putting up 20 rebounds almost in consecutive games. So 23 and 20 uh, against TCU was the f- the sixth in school history, the first in almost a decade. And then she went out three nights later and almost did it again. She came up one rebound shy with her again, 22 and 19, three blocks ago with that. But she is um, she's locked in right now and getting those uh, getting those player of the year uh you know uh voters plenty to to think about with her game i mean but let's talk about the other players joanne allen taylor we asked the beginning of the year who would be the clear number two and she looks to have asserted herself in these two games she scored uh 18 and 16 um three or four in one game from deep the other game had six rebounds and two steals celeste taylor really looking to solidify that third scorer spot uh has been in double figures majority of the season uh back-to-back 14 and uh 14 in, in consecutive games here so it's exciting to see I think um, we we said we expect a bounce back. They they beat a ranked team on the road, Iowa State. You know, maybe like the third best team in the in the Big Twelve. Um, so it's it's a it's a good win uh, there. Um, and I think what needed to happen in literal rebound uh, for them is they they head into you know a good stretch and, and you know always looming is Baylor on the horizon coming up in a couple weeks. So uh, so yeah, I think. Good rebound from them in taking on Oklahoma State on Wednesday. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if they can keep the momentum going, and get a win streak through some teams that they should be, in theory, uh, the favorite against. Again, build the win streak up and, and just win the ones you need to. So quickly, a quick update on some comings and goings on the football staff. We knew Herb Hand was out, uh, but he was officially announced taking over the offensive line position at. Charlotte University, which is University of Charlotte. Either way, it's fine. He's going to be the offensive coach there. Uh, Jalen Green, who was in the transfer portal, will be joining former coach Jason Washington at Mississippi State. A couple more guys in the transfer portal, Willie Tyler and Reese Moore, both on the offensive line. They seem to get a little uh, passed up. We'll just go and say it on the on the depth chart. So we're totally always in favor of guys trying to find ways to, to see the field and, and close out their career and, and more luck to them. Uh, but some more positive news. Uh, Jacoby Jones, a guy who he like tweeted almost a couple of times that he was coming back and then deleted it. Maybe he was waffling. Maybe it wasn't his turn to announce yet. But Jacoby <laughs> Jones officially announced that he's returning for the season. A big piece uh, for Pete Kwiatkowski and his staff to, to try to find a way to maximize his talents. Um, 29 tackles, two sacks, and two fumble recoveries in 2020 for him. So uh, hope he's, he's, I think he's a talented guy that could really be a, an asset for Texas. A guy with a big, a big motor and a senior, right? I mean, he's he's a transfer uh, in, but uh, a senior player nonetheless. And when a new coaching staff gets in, convincing ste- seniors to stick around, which I think is a good decision for his future anyways. But um is a win, right? You talk about recruiting, and we talked at length about it with, with Mike. Uh, but that that's recruiting too is is getting guys back and getting you know senior players back, and and that defensive line is going to be really critical. Uh, and Kwiatkowski's uh, you know defensive scheme next year, and, and I think Jacoby Jones uh, really in the second half of the year uh, kind of showed that he had the skills to be a really good uh, contributor. So I'm excited to have to have him back. Another key contributor, uh, number 12-ranked kicker in the nation, Burt Auburn, another SEC tie, just joking, agrees to be a preferred walk-on for the University of Texas. Um, if you haven't seen Burt Auburn's social media, go look him up on Twitter. Um, not just for drilling 65 yards from three different positions on the field, which is impressive in and of itself, but the main on Burt the boot, man. That kid has got a, a incredible incredible head of hair on him yeah i i i mean 
it is very important at Texas that your kickers have the right names, right? Dicker the kicker, um, you know, uh, Big Dixon Energy. Like th- th- these nicknames for our special teams are, are very, very important. And I'm choosing to go, and we have plenty of time to solidify this, but with Burt Orange uh, for him because, uh, I mean, A, it's perfect, and B, Auburn, I think, is a shade of reddish-orange anyways. So uh, it just feels apropos multi-times over, but I like – uh, big boot Bert. Is that what you want with big, uh, big boot Bert? We, we, we got, you got, you got Bert. The boot is really what I'm settling. Bert I'm the still, boot. I'm, Bert the it, boot. It's kind of, it's kind of like, and you haven't experienced this yet, Kyle, but, but parents know this, like the first couple of weeks of your kid's life, you're just kind of, just kind of noodling on what the nickname is going to be. And you settle <laughs> on it after a while you find what fits. Mm. And so uh big mm. leg Bert and Bert, the boot are the two that I'm really, I'm really kicking around right now. I love it. I love it a lot. Um I'm excited. I want, you know, a a game winner against Auburn, and, and this would be good for Auburn as well, um, where they meet Texas in a bowl, um, and it is it is Burt Auburn burning Auburn. Um, so I, I I'm 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 excited for the future there. Uh, keep it going. We got special teams coordinators. We've talked about that. We got a lot of them. A lot of good special teams coaches on this new staff. Imagine a Fox primetime game. Gus Johnson, Burt Auburn lined up. Bert the boot drills it. Like, can you imagine that? And I tried to go a little low octave on that. I'll probably adjust the audio in post-production. You never know that I screamed that uh, into your podcast. I don't want to rupture any eardrums. But now is the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? So, Gerald, I say it a lot naturally, podcasting obviously is a visual medium um so i'm i'm gonna talk about uh visuals graphics images moving pictures um we talked about a coaching staff and retaining guys and and getting guys from alabama well there was a a a part of the the texas staff that came over from alabama during the tom herman era um one matt lang was retained as creative director he came over in 2017 as from the creative director of alabama to the creative director of texas and gerald and i at least immediately fell in love with him and the work he does and just think he's supremely incredibly talented he puts you know just some incredible pictures on his his twitter his instagram he he obviously uh is the main force behind the the you know images and the overall social media um you know kind of direction they're doing there we've talked at length about how good texas social media is how it's the best in the country um and in this week was it was an app apropos uh time for this announcement because there was uh they tweeted out you know welcoming gideon with just this this righteous photo and we tweeted it from our twitter account um or retweet i should say and you can check it out there but it's, it's gideon um i don't remember exactly who was all near him but the other two captains uh and just a sea of longhorn helmets coming out of the tunnel just such a cool and he's got his helmet propped up just a, an all-timer type of photo and then cbs sports we we uh we also tweeted our our submission uh, to that about you know when is an athlete it looked the coolest and it was Vince Young holding the crystal ball uh, doing the Heisman after winning the national championship which is objectively one of the coolest photos uh, besides Muhammad Ali standing over a man he knocked out um, and, and then also during the the tennis uh, kind of rain delay crazy uh, win to, to send them to indoor nationals there was a series of like really perfectly captured just raw emotion photos and it reminds you it isn't just Matt it's an incredible staff around him that cover all of these sports great photographers great creative team great director great social media um but here's the thing when you're really good there's lots to take pictures 
of. And so Texas, as I've mentioned, being good across all kinds of sports and then having the talent to capture them, package them and send it back to us is uh, is why they're a must follow on every single one of the social media accounts and, and, you know, continues to add to the Texas experience. It is not a small thing. And I'm excited uh, by the announcement. Uh, that I love um, the vision. And again, uh, you and I, we, we're, we're podcasters and we, you know, always want to do like a radio show. So we're not necessarily the most visually apt guys, but I love good design. My wife is a photographer and I love good, beautiful design. So it's always great to see it. Uh, my bang the drums a little different this week. And, and I apologize, apologize if I get emotional. Um, this time last week, a really good friend of mine, my, my freshman year roommate, uh, Michael texted me that his dad passed away. Um, and I, I, I don't talk, I mean, I talk about my wife and kids on, on the podcast, but I don't necessarily talk about a lot of my other personal things. And, and I talked about so I've told the story of really where I fell in love with like the University of Texas. I was watching you know the Red River game, Derek Johnson and all that. Um, but my very first Texas football game, um, Mike and his dad actually took me to um, the Texas game, and he had really good seats. And so um, you're, you're sitting; it's fifty yard line, like five rows back. I'm like behind the players' families. The seats were like really good at the time, and like you you can watch Texas football on TV, but the experience of like being in the stadium and hearing the, the chants and the school song and all of that, um, was just incredible. And, um, you know, it's Mike's dad, George was, was a part of that experience for me. And so as I think about, um, you know, he was so much more than, than just a text fool. He's an incredible man. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time at his house growing up cause he and his, he, he and his wife, uh, were just incredible people. But, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the impact that George had on, on, on my life as a Texas fan and my life as a, as just where I'm at now and in my current journey, I learned a lot of stuff from, uh, sitting at George's dinner table. So, um, I'm banging the drum this week for a man who I know and love George Ricks, man. Um, you, the, the impact you had on my life is, is, uh, immeasurable and, and really I have, I'm, I'm at a loss for words trying to describe it just cause it, it's, uh, it's surreal. Like I, I sat and cried in my living room when I, when I heard the news last week, it's just, and horns up for George, um, mm. praying for you guys. We love you. Um, man, that's, that's all I can get out at this point. Gerald, I want to give you just a smile because I think that's uh, that's that's heavy there into process, and I'm, I'm thinking of you and thinking of, of Mike certainly. Um, I obviously didn't know Mike quite as good as you did, but uh, through you, it, it many interactions with him and and, and growing up. Uh, some as well, but uh, I do remember one of my fondest memories. I've referenced it a few times now, but NCAA video games. Um, the Mike was a member of the band, and he was always like the most famous guy I knew as a freshman because I'd be like, "Oh yeah, the guy who's in the Longhorn band when they show Texas, his face." Yeah, yeah, that's that's my uh, my buddy's roommate. He's from my high school. His name's Mike. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm kind of famous because I know that guy. So uh, um, the the six degrees of separation are pretty crazy. Uh, there, you know, it's a small world, but uh, I, I'm feeling for your loss, Gerald, for, for Mike as well, and for the world a little less uh, bright for losing. It sounds like an incredible human. So um, horns up and prayers up for, for, for all those who know. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pre-Gamer at Texas Pre-Gamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them.